imagine an organization that was funded and maintained by a group of billionaires who had in mind global domination. This organization began with this objective in mind, but it was founded at the end of World War II with the idea of resolving international conflicts and bringing global peace, but it's developed into one of the most influential organizations in the world with power to sway the nations financially, politically, spiritually, and educationally, usurping the sovereignty of nations throughout the world. Presidents, kings, and potentates from all over the globe have willingly signed treaties on behalf of their people, people who have not been aware of what all these things entail. What would you call such an organization? We call it the United Nations. Located in Lake Success, New York, this organization was formed in 1945 on land donated by the Rockefeller family and with funding from Andrew Carnegie. Its charter has been ratified by China, France, Soviet Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States of America, along with a majority of other signatories. 51 nations in all comprise the original members, joined together in order to achieve the willing cooperation of three peoples in the world in which, relieved of the menace of aggression, all may enjoy economic and social security. What have they achieved over the past 77 years? It's definitely a subject worth considering. I am Frank Goss with Vintage Broadcasting and would like to invite you to walk with us as we consider this topic. We'll be reading from the book Global Tyranny, Step by Step, The United Nations and the Emerging New World Order, written by William J. Jasper. Some things need to be brought into the light, and we as a people should know the truth. Truth, if you believe it, brings freedom. In view of what all we see happening today, as of August 8, 2022, allowing the FBI to raid the home of our previous president, who has yet to be proven guilty of anything, the Constitution is being shredded right before our eyes. We need to see that this was not something that just started under Joe Biden or Barack Obama. This has been going on for a number of years. It has been amplified over the past 50 years in ways that are hard to imagine. Today, we're going to consider one lady named Frances Fox Piven. She resides in New York City and is hailed as a guru, a renowned social scientist, a scholar, and an activist. Her professional accomplishments in the world of academia place her among the ranks of the most important social scientists of the 20th century. She was and is an ardent advocate of social justice and equity. She has called for strikes and riots equal to what had been seen in Greece in the early 60s and into the 2000s. Her voice resonates loudly. Her argument follows almost in lockstep with a manifesto produced by Karl Marx and Engels back in the 1800s. The poor, the proletariat, have no means for effecting true change, she said. They were and are oppressed and isolated from the levers of power in America. Their greatest potential impact is to withhold civility. How do they do this? They can riot. Confusion, mayhem, chaos. Her concept looks quite a bit like the communist efforts and organizers from the 1930s. The rent riots where the poor refused eviction and refused to pay rent, causing the investors in property to suffer quite a bit. Mob looting, small businesses, stealing, breaking windows, taking what they wanted and what they could. These all happened in the 30s through the efforts of the communists who were seeking to establish their party and their influence in America. This led to people being shot and killed. In her mind, they were giving the ultimate sacrifice for the cause. 
collateral damage, and the cost of change, you know, it's all a part of war. While she was calling for riots, she, at the same time, told her contemporaries that she was not calling for violence, just riots, like they did in Greece, you know. Not national riots, but local and accessible targets. People need manageable goals, fixed targets. They need focus. This ran concurrent with Saul Alinsky's recommendations on focusing on an object and destroying it. Alinsky was a very popular figure during the tumultuous years of the 60s, along with Herbert Marcuse and the Frankfurt School. Bevan has been, and will continue to be seen, as a radical agitator, even as she approaches her 90th year on Earth. She remains a political activist along the Marxist line. The communist means of change has consistently been to create a crisis, a political crisis, and thus an economic crisis. Though protected by the state-supporting media, her means and methods remain in line with communism as she pushes towards the ideal utopia, a place that literally does not exist. The idea is no different than the ideals espoused by Fidel Castro, Mao Zedong, or Vladimir Lenin. Overwhelm the system economically, causing a financial crisis. The impoverished will rise up in arms. The government will intervene and provide a solution. They want peace. The governments want peace. A welfare state will be created, and the population will be satiated. Poverty will end, peace will come, and utopia will finally be achieved. Nice ideas, right? No, they're deadly ideas that have been tried repeatedly. In the 20th century alone, through the means of these efforts, over 180 million people were murdered in one way or another as nations forced these rules and regulations, this chaos and confusion, upon their own people. What is not being mentioned on August 9th of 2022 is that in over 100 nations across the world where these ideas are being promoted by government officials, there are massive riots, looting, starvation, and death. The New York Times declares that world hunger is a global emergency. They suggest that over 265 million people will be confronted with starvation. The lack of food is credited to the ideas promoted by the United Nations. Certain chemicals are being outlawed. Fertilizers are being limited. Methods of farming are being altered and finances are being restricted. People are starving. The slums, even the slums, are crumbling. And lives are being lost. In Kenya... Colombia, Afghanistan, Honduras, South Africa, India, Zimbabwe, Iran, and Venezuela, people are fighting for survival. Their national governments have signed on to the United Nations, hoping for relief and assistance. Hunger is more of a threat than COVID-19 ever was. Desperation is setting in, and people are feeling it. Desperate people tend to do desperate things. Hence, we have rioting and nations being overthrown. Francis Fox Piven and her husband, Richard Clower, exacerbated such problems, which were true concerns in a fully industrialized nation. They elevated the crisis by creating an us-versus-them attitude. New York was their testing ground back in the 60s. Maximilian Robespierre would have been very proud of their work and their accomplishment. However, at some point, it went beyond meeting the needs of the hungry and entered into the realm of political power. The indigent people, the impoverished, would recognize the provision the government was providing. Surely, the welfare state which was being developed would create a tremendous voting base here in the United States. If large enough, the base of voters would allow the Democrats to hang on to power like a tick hangs on a dog. It is no longer a humanitarian effort to save humanity. It's an all-out effort, global in scope, to secure power. The rights allowed to us, as some still recognize, are inalienable rights given by God.
but this is now being tilled and turned under. The new power has an old, old goal that goes as far back as Genesis in the Bible. Nimrod and his men had the same desires that we're witnessing today. Men are the masters of fate and the ultimate engineers of destiny, and we need the freedom to manipulate the means of production. That way, we can organize and plan on what can and will be produced. We can also direct the goals of the people. This will require a definite unity of purpose that comes either willingly or by the power of the sword. The idea and concept of God as a universal sovereign power must be removed. It has to be eliminated and outlawed. But why? Well, it creates the idea of a greater power in the universe. People tend to look up to the greater power and not to men in times of trouble. Religion, you see, becomes an opiate, something that people can use in times of trouble. Also, it can be used by government powers in trying times in order to control the people. It's all about power, absolute power. That is what is in mind behind every effort put forth by the United Nations and by nations throughout the world who hold to the Marxist agenda, as well as Washington Democrats. We continue to sit on our hands and pretend that things are moving in the right direction, that they really are not so bad. Perhaps this coming election in November of 2022 will change the whole trajectory of things here in America. But that is not true. People know that things are inherently going south. We are falling as a nation. The Constitution is being shredded and thrown into our face. The Declaration of Independence has been replaced with the UN's Declaration of Interdependence. And people are pushing for that with all they can. Like sheep, we're being herded into a corral. And we're being force-fed lies upon lies upon lies. We allow it, though. We're distracted by our greed and our lust. We want more and we demand more. And we're willing to sacrifice what we need to sacrifice in order to get what we want. Fine houses, nice cars, consistent provision of food, and fine clothing. What are we lacking? Everything is just fine. Who can injure us? Who can even come close? We're soon to see. The veil is going to be rent. And the true intentions are going to be exposed. Right now, we're seeing behind the curtain. Some see it. Some recognize the signs of the times. But few pay attention to these voices and these evidences. The men of Sodom mocked the warnings of Lot. They all perished in just a moment. I will give this solution once more, and it won't be the last time either. God's hand will not be shortened by the efforts of men. Though they want to destroy him, they can't. He sits in heaven and laughs. He holds men in derision. Terror will strike like a storm, and then these men will attempt to call upon the God that they've rejected, but he won't listen. They will seek to appease him in every way, but they will not find God. These men are crushing the very spirit of their fellow men. There are those who love God and who seek to please him above all things. These men, Barack, Biden, Piven, Cloward, Marx, Ingalls, they all say that we dance to a crazy man's tune. I would agree that we dance, with joy, with satisfaction, but it's to the harps of angels. We dance to a music they cannot hear, and God smiles. Our hearts, even in suffering, leap within us with joy and satisfaction. We're filled with meaning and purpose. It's not a political power that we are after. We're looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. The solution I mentioned comes only by faith. By faith, we find these things to be true. By faith, we hear the music. And we know the satisfaction that can only be given by God. It is by this faith that the just shall live. It's not something you grasp by personal effort. It is a faith that is given by God. God is good. We can and we must start there. He is a loving God and has no desire that any should perish. This is his desire. 
through his love and in a desire to express his love, love, if it is real, always seeks a means of expression, and it always has a subject, an object. God created man. He called the first man Adam. He fellowshiped with Adam, and he lavished upon him the best of all creation. Adam, however, wanted more. He wanted complete autonomy. He wanted to be out from under the oppressive God had placed upon him. God told him not to eat of a particular tree. At some point, through the influence of the devil himself, Adam decided this one rule was too oppressive and overbearing. Forget the fact that he was given every tree and fruit and vegetable in the garden. Adam was not fully free until he was absolutely free. So, he ate from that tree. In that instance, his fellowship with God ended. Why? Because now he was free. The lines of communication were severed. At last, freedom. His freedom resulted in shame, fear, inner condemnation, rejection, rejecting his wife. He blamed her. He ran from the good God who created him and did his best to hide. But was he free? Right. Indeed, he was free. Actually, he was in bondage. He was bound now not to the goodness of God, but to fear and to shame. His mind was separated from all that was good and given over to darkness. But God, in his goodness, came looking for Adam. As Adam was hiding behind the trees, afraid, God called him. Adam was confronted with his sin. He saw his shame and he listened to God. God promised both Adam and Eve that a seed would come. A child would be born that would deliver man from their chosen freedom, what we could call their condemnation. Adam believed God, and God covered Adam with proper clothing. We jump forward now and find that God tells us that unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government is placed upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is a foretelling of one who was to come. Men continued to watch, looking for any sign of this deliverer. Would he be the answer to all of their problems? Would he break the shackles of Rome? Would he establish a true government here on earth? In the proper time, God sent his son. He sent messengers before his son to tell of his arrival. When these messengers spoke, men trembled and were so afraid. The messenger said, don't be afraid. Listen, listen, I'm bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. This Savior came through a man named Joseph and his wife, Mary. His name was to be called Jesus. He was come to save his people from their sins. Herein is the problem. Sin. Sin is seeking everything in life apart from God. It is rebellion expressed in thought or in action. I can rule my own personal affairs. Thank you. This steps up in communities where men band together and say to one another, we can rule in our own affairs. Thank you. Communities join together to form states. States form nations. Each of these embrace the original sin of Adam. We, we men, we band of brothers, we can control our own destiny. We can rule our personal affairs. Thank you. I will not be held by the oppression of God. I will be free, autonomous, liberated. Well, look at where this liberty and this freedom has brought us. Read the great volumes of history and see the progression of man. It has never been upward. We have developed technologically. We have trains that cross the nation. We have cars that drive the roads and airplanes that fly through the air. But fellowship between men remains broken. We're still subject to fear, to doubts, anxieties. We're still hiding in the woods. 
we're still seeking to clothe ourselves and to be all that we can be apart from God. But God comes calling his people here. Jesus said one time, my sheep know my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them to them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Here is the solution. Christ can change the heart of man. He can restore the light of God within a man. He alone can give the life that was lost back to man. This is all very short, I know, but here is how God has done it. This is the gospel truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This son that was born to Mary, Jesus, lived his life and loved men. Evil men hated him and his message. They knew who he was. They could search the records and see very clearly that he was the rightful king of Israel. The leaders hated him, and they suppressed this knowledge. They had established a system, you see. This system had taken centuries to build. Then along comes this one to disrupt everything. They would not allow even God himself to interrupt their dreams and their desires. Nor will you, and nor will I. These men sought to destroy Jesus, destroy God, and erase the idea and the concept of God from the face of the earth. Eventually, they entrapped him and handed him off to Rome. Rome issued a decree. Jesus was taken, beaten, mocked, lashed by the cat of nine tails, and crowned with a crown of thorns. He was then led out to Golgotha, a trash dump outside the wall of the city of Jerusalem. There he was nailed to a wooden cross by Roman soldiers. The leaders looked on with satisfaction upon his nude and stripped body. At last, they thought, we are free from God himself. In his last breath, Jesus raised his voice to say, it is finished. The men looked around, asking within themselves, what did he mean with that? He died. They buried him. For three days, he laid in a tomb provided by another. After three days, he rose from the dead. Hearing this message has caused many, many men to scoff and to ridicule the entire idea of God. Two things bring the men to poke fun at the message of the gospel. One, no man can be born of a virgin. Two, no man can rise from the dead. The Jews who represented the religion of men, to them the entire idea was a stumbling block. To the Greeks who represented the wisdom of men, this was absolute foolishness. But to us, who dance to the different music, who are being saved, the word of the cross is the power of God. To those who are called, both Jew and Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. I cannot make you accept these things nor believe. I can only tell you of these things. I know these things to be true. I know what Christ has done for me and for my family. My fear is gone. I am satisfied. I have a reason to live. To know Christ, one must turn from his sin and look to him. This is what I know to tell you. Look and believe. This is the message the world wants to silence. Ultimately, these are the promises the world wants to hide. If a man can erase this message, and if a man can kill the idea of God, who will be there to condemn? Who will there be to restrict men and oppress them with a harsh law and regulation? Awake, my friend. Awake. See the oppression of men around us. See the harsh laws. These are not established by God, but by men. See how they lead 
Look to Christ. It started with one man who pulled away named Adam. It has been restored and heaven has been regained in another man, Jesus Christ, the one who obeyed. Christ alone can meet the longing of your heart. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus alone and live. again as we continue with our series Global Tyranny Step by Step by William F. Jasper. This is Frank Goss with Vintage Broadcasting. Have a good day. Come on, Sergeant.